0: Talking about
1: video yeah. Yeah.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Namek vs. Sane podcast. This is episode six. Six whole episodes we have done. It's really amazing. Good for us. Uh, I am Patrick Shanley, editor with The Hollywood Reporter. Joining me, as always, is my friend and co-host, Edmund Arnold. Eddie, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well.
0: That's I know nice. I say that
1: every week, but I'm, do- I'm actually doing well.
0: No, I was about day. to comment because last week you said you weren't doing well because you were a little bit disappointed about E3, so I'm glad that you've bounced back. You're, you're a plucky long young. I didn't to
1: deal with any disappointments this week. No <laughs> E3. Um, all the games that I played made me feel very happy this week, so I have no complaints. I'm feeling very good. And I'm off today, so it's good.
0: Man, life is great, isn't it?
1: Life is beautiful. There's nothing really to
0: complain about right now. People come here for positivity, and that's what I like about it, because we lure them in with a false sense of hope and then crush their dreams with how angry we are about video games. Uh, So we are in the week after E3. Uh, E3 is such a huge week, and now we're in this week that I thought would be like a barren wasteland of video game news, but a couple things happened this week, which are pretty big
1: couple big things, yeah, which is really surprising because usually, you know, the weeks after E3 is kind of just dull, especially during the summer. It's usually a good time for everyone to clear out their back catalogs, get all those games that they bought this year completed, but man, he has some big news stories this week.
0: You would think people go into, like, a hibernation after E3 where, like, they block themselves out from the world and draw the shades, play video games, don't appear in public anymore, but no, flipping it on its ear... Is this week in games? Well, there was a pretty big announcement from NBC this week in regards to eSports. Rocket League.
1: <laughs> so we talked briefly about Rocket League last week and how it was the greatest innovation that America has ever done.
0: I think that's your exact words.
1: And they're bringing it to NBC Sports. What? Uh, which, you know, yeah, it looks like it is getting... Esports are starting to make a splash, my friend. That's a
0: huge step forward. I mean, they're already on TBS, but NBC is a completely different animal. Sorry, Conan O'Brien.
1: Yeah, and I believe... I think uh, Injustice 2 is on TBS. Heroes of the Storm is on ESPN 2 right now. So, NBC Sports is getting into the ring. They're want it. they going to be airing a two-on-two tournament with Rocket League August 26th and the 27th. And the winner will get
0: $100,000. $100,000 for playing a video uh, game.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, probably 50000 because you're going to have to split that with your partner. But yeah, there we go. Esports are making a splash, my friend.
0: It reminds me of MMA, which is funny to bring this up because of the news that was announced uh, earlier this week between Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. To see how far that sport has come. But remember MMA back in like... (laughs) Unreal. Uh, In like 2002, 2001 when MMA was like in its... It wasn't really its nebulous stages, but it was just starting to get on like a national stage. And look at it now. It's this billion dollar industry. Is esports going to be something like that? Possibly.
1: Okay. When esports first started out, when I was in college. Mm -hmm. So about 10 years ago is when you first started seeing the Spike TV and the G4 TVs playing like the DOTA's late night. And I used to see that and I used to be like, this is going to die. This is going to die really fast. But it's gaining a lot of steam. A lot of people are supporting it. And these players are putting in a lot of effort to be good. So I... (laughs) I'm on the fence. I believe that it has the right proponents. I believe the right people are behind it Mm -hmm. to really push it into another stratosphere.
0: Do you think, here's my thing as a sports fan, I want to say real sports so bad because I played sports and I love the MLB and the NFL and the NBA and even the NHL to a degree, but those are athletes, right? Do you bristle a little bit at these video game players being called athletes?
1: I do. I do big time I don't really enjoy it I can't compare the top esports athlete to a LeBron James I just can't maybe maybe if they're more versatile I don't know I have to do more research in it but maybe if maybe I'd be impressed with um, an esports player who could dominate Dota could dominate Injustice 2 Mm -hmm. could dominate across the board maybe that could be an equivalent to LeBron James but I just can't but look I don't see making the comparisons to LeBron James or Kobe Bryant or Seth Curry I just can't
0: me either and i don't think we're there yet i just find it hilarious to think that there might be a future in which a guy who pretends to be an actual professional athlete in a video game is then meeting that professional athlete and they are seen on the same level by the public be like oh hey lebron james like i can score 28 points with you in uh, nba 2k17 and lebron's like oh my god that's amazing how do you do it
1: yeah and i i agree but and i also the thing that keeps me thinking that esports will never reach that point is i don't think a lot of people that are watching basketball, the NFL, um, NHL. I don't think they're going to be drawn to Mm esports. I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong. To my degree, I just don't... Esports is attracting a different audience that would not necessarily be watching NBC Sports on a Saturday.
0: I wish I had the data to... uh, Because I agree with you myself, personally. But I don't have any data to back that up. I'm sure that there has been some type of polls done. But what is that crossover audience between people who love the NBA and people who watch eSports. Like, well, no diehard guy in his 60s who's wearing a, a Larry Bird jersey and watching every minute of the NBA Finals is most likely not watching a Dota tournament on TBS at 1 o'clock in the morning. Absolutely. But YouTube has completely changed
1: the game. Because, you know, even when you're thinking about how we grew up, we used to read uh, reviews. We used to read reviews. We used to read about game previews. It's not done that way. People we used just to read. To I, I mean, I that's how I grew up learning to read is reading comic books and reading these video game magazines about these new. Vi- I'm, I'm not trying to be oh this and that, but back in my day, we grew up in the last generation reading print. So I think YouTube kind of came in, changed the game, which really makes e- which really helped esports jump off. These young kids, man, that's all they're doing. They're this this they're watching these things on YouTube. They're watching these things take off on mm-hmm. social media. They're not sitting down and reading anymore.
0: Yeah, and well, I mean, to that point, um, it was announced this week. I think it was yesterday, uh, anytime, at VidCon this week. The CEO of YouTube came out and announced that 1.5 billion viewers monthly. Monthly, that's how many people are watching YouTube. I think the statistic also was that almost everyone who has YouTube or watches YouTube watches an hour of YouTube daily, every single day of your life. Somebody's watching an hour of that website. That's crazy.
1: I, I think to touch on your earlier point about what type of what type of audience is watching esports. I think that's what the bridge is going to be. I think it's going to be a lot of these younger individuals that you know, your thirteen to eighteen year olds that grew up watching these video games right. on YouTube. I think that's going to be your audience. And you don't. I don't know. Maybe they're bringing their parents in. Maybe they're bringing their dad, their mother, in, their older brother, their older sister to watch these things also. So maybe that's where the divide is. I don't know how MMA started. I don't know the logistics behind that but it could be a similar it could be a similar build up.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's funny. It's it's funny to see what the future would hold for something like this because as you're saying, these kids right now are 15, 15 years from now, so let's look back in 2002 to now. So let's look forward 15 years to then. These kids are going to be in their 30s. They're going to be the consumers of these things and their kids would have grown up possibly watching these things at that point. I don't know. I mean, if it's it's on the rise now, so who knows what the mountaintop's going to be. If it's on something like NBC, well that's a huge step forward.
1: Yeah, and I mean And it's Rocket League, and that's a great sport game to get into esports because I I think I saw an interview too from one of the NBC executives. He said they believe that the games is already – the Rocket League is already close enough to sports to make it easy and entertaining for NBC's current audience, and he's absolutely right. Right. You have the soccer elements. You have the basketball elements. It's already there in the game, so it's not that hard for me – who watch? If I watch sports and didn't really know video games to turn on this television, I would be able to get understand what's going on in Rock League rather quickly. Right. It's not a hard game. Rather, mm-hmm. if I'm going into Dota or Heroes of Legends, I'm like, what the hell is going on right now? What are these little minions? What are these characters doing? I, I won't get it. But Rock League is very accessible to a, a
0: large audience. I still have no idea what Dota is or leagues of legends are i can't get the names right i I try to research it and i get more confused by trying to look up the information than just watching it myself
1: these are some very extensive experiences that take that a lot and this is where my respect for esports comes from is these individuals that are participating in the league of legends and the dota they're putting hours and hours and hours to learn these characters to learn the tendencies to learn the maps to learn how to exploit these different, you know, their opponents and things like that. So that's where the respect comes from. But still, I don't, these individuals are still going to be able to use their fingers, um, still be able to walk, still be able to use all their functions in 20 to 30 years. I don't think LeBron James is going to be able to use his knees in 20 to 30 years. That's just where my... That's where my divide is, and I think that that these esports guys aren't putting in as much effort as LeBron James. mm -hmm. But I think you know basketball, football, all these other sports are way more taxing on the body, and that's why we can't compare them to these athletes.
0: I agree with that, and I also don't even know how you can argue that because I mean it's it's proven by what sports do to your body, particularly football. I don't want people to think it's an insult for me saying that I don't see these people as athletes. Uh, that's just a word. I'm trying to understand it. I'm old. i'm I'm not saying that they don't have skill. They obviously have skill. They have a great skill that a lot of people can't do. That's why they're getting these paychecks now. I think that a lot of time goes into it. But at the same time, it's just what you said, you are not sacrificing your body in its prime. For my enjoyment in the same way that somebody like lebron james or even tom brady god i hate him so much is doing so that's where i brush up against it it's just it's literally just the word athlete that's it it's right, like if right. you were the best was bobby fisher an athlete the chess player he was the greatest chess player who was around back then but was he an athlete did anyone look point. at him and be like oh that's he's like joe Namath." No, they didn't. At least I don't think they did on live back then.
1: Yeah, you know, and like I'm like you said, I'm not trying to diss them or anything cuz right. I have, I do have a lot of respect for esports players. I can't really I wouldn't be able to do it. These guys are sacrificing their, you know, their well-beings, their time with family, time with friends, and they're really putting a lot of time into mastering these video games. But I just don't think we can call them like I don't think we can put them on the same level as these other athletes. We should be calling them esports players. Similar to your point with the Bobby Fisher which was which I believe is a really good point.
0: Yeah, I'm very smart. That makes sense. That you would agree with you, me.
1: You have your moments, you really do have
0: your moments. <laughs> it'll be funny to see in like 15 years if podcasts still are around and the internet hasn't crashed to look back on this and be like look at how old we sounded
1: i can't, i hope we have like a little time capsule that we can put these podcasts in so i can listen to them with my children and be like you see how smart your father was don't you test me Wondering like these esports tournaments at the end If they're going back into their locker rooms or whatever they're going into, if they just have, like, a clamoring of fans.
0: To your point earlier, I was at a party um, last week after E3. I might have mentioned this last week. Anyway, um, when we were there, it was a professional gaming party, and they had professional gamers show up. It's not at the point yet where people, like, recognize them, at least, like, regular people walking around. Probably fans of esports would recognize these people. But they walked in like people recognized them. They had that swagger that, like you see, like Levar Ball walking in with his son Lonzo. <laughs> it was that type of action going on. That's interesting
1: to me. That's really interesting to me. I just I want to know how long it's going to take for this to really pop off. Um, I, MA, MMA was kind of like an explosion overnight. Right. So it'd be inter- And esports has been like this slow buildup for the last what maybe ten to fifteen years. So them jumping on NBC Sports, ESPN two, TBS. I just want to see whoever, who else is going to get in the foray, and I just want to see how long it's going to last. Right. Like, to me, it seems like a fad. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make the unpopular opinion and say that it's a fad. I don't I don't see that it will have legs, it's, but I could be very wrong. I've been wrong about probably 95% of the things I've said in the past, so I could be wrong
0: that's about true. this as well. So. I think it's on the cusp of either being what skateboarding was in the late 90s, where it seemed like it was going to be like this huge sport and then kind of slip back down to like a niche thing, or MMA- which was on the same cusp and has kind of tipped the other way where now MMA is like a legitimate sport and has, in a lot of ways, almost supplanted boxing at this point. Right. And I wonder what those, um,
1: like the NBC Sports and TBS, I wonder what that's going to do to Twitch. Because most people that watch these esports go view by Twitch. Right. And I, I think Twitch is a wonderful platform. And I would really hate to see Twitch suffer because these cable companies, which have been jerking us around for years, are trying to get into something that's the latest fad. Yeah. So and who knows?
0: Opinion. Well, here's the thing: <laughs> Can NBC take Twitch down? Is Twitch has Twitch already cornered the market? Can NBC top Twitch at this point? So that's I another battle so. that's going on. I don't think so either. Yeah, I don't think so. Twitch is just so
1: easy, so accessible. I love Twitch. That's you know, that's right. When I do watch my esports, my one hour every six months, mm-hmm. I will I will view it on Twitch. I so I don't know.
0: Does we'll watching see. some guy speedrun Donkey Kong Country 2 count as an eSport? Because I've done that.
1: I don't think so, no. Okay, well... That's a whole different game. No, you can't put that in the same category. Swing and a miss.
0: That game is so hard, I don't understand how anyone can speedrun it.
1: Speedrunning, I might have, in this another unpopular opinion, I might have more respect for speedrunners than I do for eSports players.
0: I think they just memorize it. They play it so often that it's kind of gets memorized, and then they can speed through it. But even still, I mean, it's incredible what they can do.
1: But like the slightest, well, I guess with esports players too. But with like the slightest mistake, your whole run is done. Yeah. And like some of this, some of these videos that I've seen with the Mario's and like you said, the Donkey Kongs and even like Zelda, it's just it's really remarkable what these guys can do and the, these ladies can do. The
0: greatest thing to watch is watching a speed run that goes wrong and just watching these people freak out. <laughs> That's how I spend the majority of my time. I it's feel like, like
1: watching your. Um your house of cars just slowly tumble down and just like, ah, ah, oh.
0: It's like, yeah. just, it's when you go onto YouTube and type, like, missed dunks. <laughs> like, somebody <laughs> goes up and just bricks a dunk. It's the greatest thing in the world. Well, another uh, big announcement um, this week was uh, the new South Park game, uh, Fractured Butthole, is coming out soon and got a release date this week? Is that what happened?
1: It did get a release date this week. It is going to be coming out October 17th. Um, it, actually, it actually was released about a month ago, the release date, but it seems like um, the game has gone gold, so I'm pretty confident to say that we will be getting this game on October 17th.
0: I had the opportunity to have an interview with Jason Schroeder, the game's director, uh, to talk about the game. I also had a chance to get my hands on it. It is pretty much what you would expect from South Park, meaning it is very offensive to certain people, but also hilarious. It is fantastic. So this game is obviously a follow-up to, uh, I don't know, it's not the first South Park game, but it's the first South Park RPG-type game in uh, The Stick of Truth.
2: Yeah, and I think it was the first game of its kind in the sense that uh, Matt and Trey were heavily involved from day one. It was sort of we want to make a game rather than being approached by someone else and say, hey, can we please use your license for a game? And so they wanted to make a game, and then obviously they learned a lot with Stick of Truth, and they wanted to continue that with The Fractured But Whole. And so when we, we first started thinking about this concept, it was, we want to we do superheroes, we want to try it again, uh, and this time we want to, start the process, uh, the way we ended the last game, which was being highly collaborative, being highly involved from day one, and so basically we built a process between our studios where basically we're all one team. And they make content just like they normally do for the show, and we ingest that through Snowdrop uh, and just put it in the game. Uh, coming off of that last one, was it easier going into this when having that previous information or having a working experience with Matt and Trent? I mean, I think just like anybody, like they learn from their experience, and, and Ubisoft learned as well, is that Like, I think people loved the stick of truth because it was so authentic, and so there was never a doubt that this needed to be an authentic South Park product. Um, so it's just been about trying to make sure that, like, my job as uh, a game director isn't to necessarily bring a lot of new, innovative comedy. I'm, I'm trying to take what they do and say, how do I make that interactive? Right. How do I make sure that it makes it into the game and gets past readings, boards, and all that sort of stuff? <laughs> That's where I innovate. <laughs> how, how was that
0: process, honestly? Because even in short demo, there's
2: a bit of blue humor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's for us. It's trying to make sure like that it always is satirical. It seems like it has a point. It's not just purely gross out. Maybe it's maybe it's shocking, and uh, uh, you know how it's presented or what's going on. But like usually you'll be able to see within context like the, the joke. Is pointing out something right. right? Like, like a typical good South Park joke. It's it's beyond just a fart.
0: Did you work on the plot or any of the uh, script with Matt and Trey, or is it all
2: Matt and Trey on that end, and you guys handle more of the making it interactive, like you said? Um, it's it's definitely collaborative. Like okay. they have they had a story in mind. I mean, they wanted the Kuhn and friends. They wanted the Kuhn and friends to care about franchise, and they had some ideas of. It'd be cool to do this kind of boss fight, it'd be cool to do this kind of location feels like something you might see in The Flash or it feels like something you might see in a Batman movie or something like that, so that's a good opportunity for us to make fun of something. And then it's also trying to make sure it feels familiar like the town, because it's still the same town from The Stick of Truth, so like the neighborhood hasn't really changed that dramatically. But then uh, we needed to add kind of superhero-y locations, right. so, so that meant we needed a seedy part of town, and South Park happened to add Shitipa uh, Town recently, and, and, and <laughs> so that's where the Peppermint Hippo and the Buca de Fagacini are, and so it could bring in a little bit more of the dark elements of South Park. Uh, the gameplay has changed
0: uh, quite a bit, at least in combat for sure. Yes, seems to be souped up quite a bit from the last one.
2: Uh, what did you guys look at to try and move it forward in that way? Uh, Trey plays a lot of board games, okay. so, so he'd he been playing... Uh, we had actually been playing Star Wars Imperial Assault together and we are like, well this is fun. <laughs> so, but it was, uh, I think, trying to take the turn-based stuff that worked well from the last game getting the movement stuff uh, in so that people felt like they were fighting in the same places that they were exploring and the controls didn't necessarily change that much. You can still, you know, keep moving around with left stick, but now the kids are, you know, they, they just like in the last game, this game, they sort of declared, these, well, these are the rules of our little RPG. So we just have to respect these rules. Uh, you, you're only allowed to move from there to there, and you're not allowed to take your turn until he does. And, when the new kid evolves his time powers through his butt, he has time farts, of course. Uh, <laughs> why not? Why yes. Uh, like, that's when he can start actually manipulating that turn order. He can start manipulating time. Gotcha. And the last one, we got to pick our class uh, because it was based off a little bit like Game of Thrones and like traditional RPGs. Is yeah. there any of that in this one? So, one of the things we liked about that was obviously Cartman kind of narrating over it right Right. like telling you okay you're oh a thief I see um a ginger thief that seems (laughs) right (laughs) but it's like uh for us Cartman again is telling you about your backstory right Uh, he's telling you about your class but this time he's always trying to workshop your uh superhero brand he okay. needs he needs you to be a marketable superhero so he comes up with this backstory where you know uh oh man that night despite your superhero power that awakened you weren't in time to stop your dad from having sex with your mom and it's like that was and it and it <laughs> scarred you for life so like in each time he's like okay well this time like let's let's try it again this backstory kind of sucks and he says now you're a cyborg and you use those amazing cyborg powers and you still weren't in time, and oh my god, I'm sure that was really bad for you. <laughs> and so, I think, w- as you do that, he, st- he lets you start multi-classing. So you come out of these workshops with, okay, now I have cyborg powers, but I still have those blaster powers, I'm going to combine those, and now I have two blaster powers and a cyborg ultimate ability and stuff like that, and you can start to really create your own superhero. Okay,
0: cool. uh, In the cartoon, Kuhn is kind of a villain, <laughs> not a- good <laughs> Friends, really. Uh, so he's is, misunderstood, clearly, obviously. Yeah. Uh, is Eric one of the antagonists, or is he a, pro is he a protagonist in this game? I mean, this Cartman
2: <laughs> never, never stops. Uh, so he's what we showed last year, and, and it's still true that the kids divide at the beginning of this, like sort of the, oh, the, the prologue. <laughs> yes, the, although the superheroes are united in trying to save South Park, they are fractured in the sense that one group is trying to build a franchise uh, that's inclusive and more, maybe more Marvel-esque and the other one is trying to build a franchise that's centered entirely around the Coon as its main and really only great hero. So so I think within that becomes conflict and of, of course is Eric is naturally kind of a selfish kid he tries to make things about himself. Awesome. Alright, thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: Let me just tell you about the demo that I played. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen the demo. You are the new kid in town, just like you were in the Stick of Truth. You are tasked with going into the local strip club, which is called the Spearmint Hippo, I think is what it's called. Uh, You are there with Scott Malkison, Scott Malkison, who has... Diabetes. His uh, superhero name is Captain Diabetes. Yeah, that's great. You're tasked with talking to a certain stripper who is there. Her name is Classy. I can't go into why her name is Classy because it's a little blue for radio. And it is a lot of what you would expect from a South Park game. You get to throw your farts around. You uh, There's a lot of profanity. You have to make a disgusting gin and tonic to distract the uh, announcer at the strip club. And you put in a lot of unsavory ingredients into his gin and tonic. Whoa okay okay i'm It's sorry it's hard to like tiptoe around what i can say on this and what i can't say anyway it's hilarious they <laughs> they upped the gameplay a little bit from the last one it's still that turn-based rpg style combat but it has a different it has a grid now as opposed to just the one-on-one classic final fantasy way of fighting uh, in an rpg So there's a grid, there's different moves for each character, you're obviously leveling up, you're collecting things, you're going around talking to different characters, it feels like a South Park episode, it looks like a South Park episode. Uh, I really enjoyed the time that I had on it, however, a lot of people did not, and there was some controversy about this game, again, just like the last one.
1: Yeah, because the gameplay. You have the first game, which was a turn-based RPG, kind of you know, wrecking those old school Final Fantasy's Chrono Trigger. It kind of reminded me a lot of Chrono Trigger. Great game. Um, I was talking to my roommate last night, very intelligent video game person, um, and he was talking about how the developers from Child of Light, which was a indie release a few years ago, were also working on South South Park, and the gameplay was very similar. The turn base, you have a certain amount of time to you know hit your prompt button prompts in order to perform a certain move. It was all very similar. So they're stepping away from that, which I believe was their strongest part of the game. That gameplay was amazing. And they're bringing on a grid-style, fire emblem, turn-based, kind of chess-style match. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I'm happy about that. I haven't played it like you have, but I don't know if I'm happy about that gameplay change. Because the gameplay in that first game was so fantastic. Why would you change it?
0: Why are you so afraid of change? That's my question to you.
1: I'm afraid of change because I don't know who the first game the way they had the rpg the way they had the rpg engine the way the gameplay mechanic it just worked for the south park game mm-hmm. this grid style chess fire emblem recruiting characters i just i don't know if that will resonate well in the south park world to me as someone who grew up with south park for the last what 15 years yeah oh my gosh
0: but well, i think i mean longer yeah. than that it's been 18 years
1: yeah um and you know I've watched this game from the start Or I've watched this show from the start So I just, I don't know I'm a, little, I'm a little hesitant about that gameplay change Especially when it was perfect, you
0: know Fair enough, I will say that when I got my hands on it It felt tight, it felt fun uh, It was a little bit different I felt it was an upgraded version of it It reminded me, it's a weird example Because it's not the same type of game But the step up in the shooting aspects From Mass Effect 1 to Mass Effect 2 Where it's like, oh, I can't even go back to Mass Effect 1 now Because Mass Effect 2 is so much better That's how it felt like with this one
1: Okay, so, okay. Um, and you played the first one, right?
0: I did, yeah. Well, I didn't finish it because, honestly, I got a little bit bored about halfway through it. You got bored? Because of the gameplay, not because of the story.
1: Oh, you didn't like the gameplay, really?
0: You just kind of master it at a certain point. You know, I've played RPGs forever and ever, they're like my jam. Yeah, you know? true.
1: And I, and I think that's why i like this so much just because i'm an rpg true heart i don't know what word <laughs> that sounds so stupid um i i love i've loved rpgs my entire life that's what i was raised on uh-huh. so when i got my hands on that game it just felt like an old school rpg snes type game that i grew up playing yeah absolutely so i think that's why i enjoyed it so much and now i'm getting to this like fire emblem and i'm sorry i keep bringing up fire emblem because that's all the gameplay videos that i saw it just looks like a fire emblem and i love fire emblem don't get me wrong one of my favorite franchises on nintendo right but i don't know if i want to see that in my south park
0: game well you're gonna have to try it out because i thought it was great what's funny about the game i love the censorship issues that keep coming up with it and for some australia of all places why do they hate south park so much in australia
1: australia and europe specifically i think the e3 gameplay trailer which you just talked about is what's like have them in an the uproar. I mean it's it's um, pretty rough
0: but even there's I mean, some stuff at, in there. I'm
1: talking to talk you Australia right now and I'm watching a child give a grown man a lap dance. I mean
0: you get to control that lap dance, by the way.
1: That's a little intense. Like, I'm all, f- I don't like censorship in my video games. I'll be the first to tell you. But it makes sense.
0: I love that after, oh, by the way, we were wrong. It's been 20 years since South Park's been on the air. Oh after, God. 20 years later, they're still able to get things censored. Like, they're still pushing the envelope in South Park.
1: They're, they're the best at what they do, though. They they are the best at what
0: they do. I think Matt and Trey are legitimate geniuses. I don't know how many geniuses there are, but I put them in that category. Them and like Lin Manuel Miranda are, like actual
1: geniuses. Whoa, that's a that's a very good list right there of geniuses.
0: That's a it's good company to be in.
1: Yeah. So yeah, you know, and you're back on the censorship. I think Australia censored the first game like intensely.
0: Oh yeah, they did. I don't
1: know what, that, that, and that bothers me because. To me, that first game, the parts that I think they censored out were the best parts of that game. We're going to get into the spoilers right now. Right. But that sequence and when you you get... I don't know if you got to this part, but when you get like shrunken by the underpants gnomes and you have to go through your parents' bedroom while they're having sex, that's a very... I, I think that's one of the scenes that made everyone... That was censored heavily.
2: Oh,
0: that's and pretty I classic that the gameplay. The game. Who doesn't remember when that happened in the Mushroom Kingdom in the original Super Mario?
1: I remember it vividly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> my mom My mom took all my video games out the room and made, I didn't get to play anything for like years and years and years I my, sat in a dark room
0: <laughs> and just whittled little Mario play. figurines my favorite thing of how they censored it I hope they do this again if it ends up being censored I imagine I don't know it must be really annoying to write something and have it get censored but I'm sure it's par for the course for the guys at South Park at this point When they censored it in the last game, in the Stick of Truth, for the Australian audiences, they flash to the screen. It says censored. There's a crying koala. And then there's a little message that describes the scene. Sorry, Australia. You're not able to play this section of the game, mate. The mate's not in there, but it should be. In this part, Mr. Mackie, Craig, Mr. Slave, and you have been abducted. They are bound to high tables, still still appear to be asleep, and are being thoroughly probed through their anuses. That, to me, reading that seems worse than watching it. Because now I have to imagine it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's way worse. And that's where I just the censorship doesn't make any sense to me. Just pull out, put out the games, man, and like put out the games how that you intend to put them out. It, if you're offended by it, then don't buy it.
0: It's rated don't mature. Buy it. It's rated mature. Like I, I,
1: I don't get how the classification board works over in Australia because I'm God bless America, Australia. But I feel bad for our Australian brothers and sisters who just can't play these games in full. It, it's not fair.
0: It's you're really out. Not fair every day fighting off dingoes and giant snakes. And then you come in after an 18-hour day of rustling up emu eggs. And the only thing you want to do is kick back and enjoy a little bit of South Park video gameplay. And then you're stuck with this crying koala. I would take it up. I'd take it up with Parliament, mate. I would. I would be very upset. Not only would I be upset of
1: how you just stereotype Australia as a whole country, <laughs> but I would also be upset that I can't play these games as a whole. So, I, yeah, I agree. I, don't, I wish there was something that they could do. And I don't even know if Australians, I, if they care that much. But as an American, I care.
0: Here's my question. So, if you had uh, an American version of the game and somehow managed to sneak it into Australia... Is it contraband at that point? Are there legal ramifications for playing this outlawed game? I don't know, but I might do that. What I'm interested in is the show South Park is heavily censored in Australia as well. Then, if the game is this censored, then how how censored is the show? I don't know. Has South Park been that bad
1: in the last like three to four years? Have they haven't needed anything needed to be censored? South Park's gotten pretty tame.
0: A little bit. I feel like the last ep, uh, last season was a little bit tamer. That being said, it's tame for South Park. It's not tame for regular television. Yeah, that's
1: true. Yeah, that's, true.
0: that's uh, true. My thing with South Park is, and even in the short gameplay that I played and in the interview with Schroeder, he talks about they're not doing jokes just to be crass. It's not Family Guy, where they're just trying to offend you. South Park has a reason for making these jokes, and a lot of them are pointed at satire. They're pointing out flaws in our own system, in our own world, and they do it in, in a very intelligent way. Even though it comes across as something very crass, and it is, it's blue humor. But it's smart. It's not done for the sake of doing it. It's done to make a point. I think,
1: I think se- you do it in a way that's like I, for example, there um I hate saying this N word episode. I don't mm-hmm. like saying N word, I like saying the word, but for the <laughs> podcast. Thanks. Um the N word episode was a very, very spot on portrayal of how we should be able to deal with the N word. And modern times between black people and white people. I thought that was one of their best episodes. Very offensive. Right. A lot of people got upset with it. But I believe the NAACP at that time said, yes, this is absolutely right. Because I think the bottom line was, Token was like, you'll never understand. So just don't use it. And then Stan was kind of like, yes, you're right. Yep. I get it. And that was the resolution. You know, not the best resolution in the world. But yeah, made sense. It made a lot of sense. So yes, they tackled these they tackled these big issues in a very funny offensive way Mm -hmm. but I think they get a lot of good points across even though I don't believe in their libertarianism but they get a lot of good points across
0: I agree and I think that they're not afraid to tread in the ground that is taboo uh considered taboo by so many other people I think that's an important thing to do honestly I think you should be able to do that particularly here I'm not from Australia I don't know what their laws are but you're free to do that in America you're allowed to do that and you should yeah, be allowed you to. Should do that. Be. Yeah, I, I mean, agree just with you. I'm
1: looking at a list of banned and censored games. I mean, they have Blitz the League on here. Well, that game is sin, filthy, filthy, here. filthy. They have Hotline Miami 2.
0: What the hell is that? Uh,
1: Hotline Miami was a indie game that came out that was very good. Hotline Miami 2 was not that good.
0: Is that where you're Pitbull and you just walk around Miami and people are like Mr. Worldwide?
1: That's actually Hotline Miami 3. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, I love that game. So Hotline Miami 2 is just I can't remember the storyline because i just didn't like it but i think you're a hitman or something they banned all the postals saints row 4 is banned
0: are the grand theft auto games banned
1: yes okay uh, grand theft auto 3 edited grand theft auto san andreas edited grand theft auto Vice city edited grand theft auto 4 edited i do not see grand theft auto 5 on here
0: here's my issue with it and again we're talking about a different country so it's i, I don't know i shouldn't even be able to talk about whatever their thing is i don't live there i have no idea what it's like my problem is, as an American looking at it, is that they're rated for a reason, correct? All these games right. went through a board that rated it to decide who the audience for this game was. If it's rated mature, it is made for a mature audience. And if you were over the age of which they decided that it should be for you to be able to decide on your own if you are okay or comfortable with these things, then why would you censor it? I'm an adult. Why am I being censored? If I don't like it, I will put it down and stop listening to it. Or write a letter to the guys who made it and be like, are you bastards
1: yeah i think the way it's set up is like they refuse to classify they refuse to give a game classification and if you don't give a game classification i, I believe that you can't put it out so i think they they're bored or whatever mm-hmm. gets these games plays them and then they have like a degree of which they rate them. And if they don't give a classification to it, they don't release it. And I could be wrong. If someone listening right. could correct us and let us know how this goes, please let us know. Because this is
0: something I'm really interested in. Me too. And I would like to, this is, uh, we should reach out then to somebody on the Australian rating board or somebody who makes these decisions and see if we can get some answers about this. Just out of curiosity, honestly, again, it, if you want to do it and you live in that country, but I'm sure there's a lot of people who are upset in that country who want to play these games uncensored.
1: Yeah, but are they upset because it's been happening for them for so long? It could be like one of those things where they're just used to it by now.
0: Who knows? I mean, this is a, this is a bigger topic than we can get into right now, but I think that there there should be some digging done to see exactly why, just to satisfy, uh, satiate my own curiosity about it.
1: Yeah, and I, yeah, I think you're right. I would like to reach out. I think we should explore this at a later segment. Yes. But this is something that's really interesting.
0: One other big piece of news from this week, and this is something I'm personally excited about because, as you know, From our last couple podcasts, I'm a huge Dreamcast fan. Sega Forever was announced. Eddie, how much of your mind has exploded from this announcement?
1: Not much. Yeah, Engadget reported uh, earlier this week, or actually yesterday. Sega Forever is going to be making Genesis games free on mobile. I don't think it's just Genesis. I, I believe I read somewhere that it's going to be everything as far back from the SG-1000 Mark One. How
0: is that not exciting news to you?
1: Game Gear, Genesis, Saturn, and Dreamcast.
0: Uh, all of my dreams are coming true. So you'll be able
1: to play these games. They will have ads. You can pay $2 to play the game without ads. They say it's a retro revolution that will transfer players through two decades of gaming. You can play offline, you can save, and you can see your name on a leaderboard. And the first game that are going to they're going to be rolling out for this are going to be Sonic the Hedgehog. Great game. Fantasy Star 2. Comic Zone. Ooh. Such a good brawler. Comic Zone is such a good brawler. I
0: don't up. know Comic Zone.
1: Kid Chameleon.
0: Love that introduced. game.
1: Yeah. We are going to be playing our classic games on mobile, and I do not know how I feel about that,
0: Patrick. Well, this is a thing that has been coming for a while, and there's there's websites online. There are digital arcades where you can play a lot of old classic games from arcade era, like Paperboy. Which, by the way, a lot of these games do not translate to other mediums uh, particularly arcade games but even some of these Sega games and that's my only concern about this because I'm excited about being able to play some of my old classic Sega games that I grew up and loved is how they would translate to a mobile experience and I worry about companies trying to cash in and not really trying to make that transition in a correct way it is a much different experience and you have to understand that you cannot just translate it one to one to my cell phone and have it be the same experience as when i first played sonic the hedgehog i have to hold down that b button to charge sonic up how am i going to do that on my phone is it going to be a satisfying experience
1: that's what makes me nervous and i'm glad you touched on that point because that makes me very nervous i don't know how it's going to look i don't know what these button prompts are going to look like on my phone i grew up playing these games with a controller or i grew up playing with these games handheld i don't like playing emulated games on my cell phone i didn't like jade empire on my cell phone I didn't like nicely of the Old Republic on my cell phone. I just don't like these games that are... And, you know, it's hard to compare those games because they're a little newer, a little bit more extensive, bulky, playing with 3D. You're playing with 3D models rather than the 2D right. platforming type. But still, I just don't... It makes me nervous because I don't like it.
0: And, you just hate and, new things. Look at you. Even when it's old things packaged as new things, you're like, oh, change. I don't like it. I think
1: we should be scared. I really think we should be scared, especially with this big push the mobile. I don't see a lot of young kids... With that capacity to sit down and play a console for two to three hours at a time, like I could when I was a kid, mm-hmm. like I, I grew up. And my parents have this little boy that they are help raising, uh, and I see the, how he plays. We just bought him recently; bought him a PlayStation Three. Ooh. He can't play that game that that thing for longer than ten minutes.
0: This he is hilarious to hear you say that kids kids can't play video games as long as we used to play video games. It's like the complete opposite of everything you normally. Hear. I think it's a
1: point that needs to be made more. I don't hear a lot of people making that point. Similar to, like, kids aren't playing games or watching games on YouTube.
0: Right. And I
1: think a lot of our generation is still pushing for the consoles. But I think in the next 10 to 15 years, the console generation is going to die. I think it's all going to be moving to mobile, especially with the way that these young people are playing video games. And mm-hmm. it's that's, this terrifies me mostly terrifies me.
0: Mobile is huge, huge business. I interviewed Krista uh, Wolf uh, this past week. Krista Wolf was a co-founder of MySpace. Is now in charge of Jam City Games. Jam City Games does... They do... The Family Guy mobile game. They have a new uh, Futurama mobile game coming out at the end of this month, which is awesome, by the way. But anyway, it's a completely different business. The amount of revenue that they bring in is staggering. the The numbers he was throwing out, I could not believe from these mobile games. And there, I hesitate to say this because the Futurama game was not like this, and there was a little bit more care put in. But some of the games are like uh, Candy Crush uh, games, like that, like very easily digestible. I'm not even. I'm not bashing Candy Crush. I'm I just will. saying. <laughs> I bash a little bit. It's not like a console game. It's not telling a story. They're really easily digestible. They're made to be played in like three minute increments while you're waiting in line at the grocery store.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why these young kids, they can't play these games for a long time. They can't really engage in the stories like we used to be able to Mm -hmm. because they're playing these like runner games where you're, what is it? Temple run type games where you're only playing for like a short 15, 30 minute span and then you can move on to your next game. Right. So yes, that it scares me, and yes, it's making a lot of money. To your point, it's making a lot, a lot of money. I think I re- remember hearing other podcasts, Bombcast specifically, talk about how the console generation is dying in Japan because mobile games are getting so big, right. which is why you're seeing Nintendo slowly make that move to bring put out more of their like the Pokemon Go's, Super Mario runs. Right, they have a Fire Emblem game out right now. So they're putting more of their big-name franchises out to mobile because it's making so much money. Yeah. And we all know how the video game industry is. When they start making money, they start moving towards those trends.
0: That's all business. Uh, Let's talk about – we can bring about the South Park. Again, South Park did an entire episode on freemium gaming. And they had – it was the Canadian devil who was doing it. Like they, they demonized freemium gaming. And I agree with a lot of points they made to be honest with you.
1: So did I, right? I mean, you have those. I don't even know the names of these games because I try to put them behind me. But, you know, you have those base-building type games where you're fighting. I don't know the names of them.
0: Well, there's it's, a million. Just, like, there's Clash of Clans, blah, blah, blah. There's there's there go, eight million there of them. But There we go. So I just
1: – okay, and I want to make a distinction too. I'm nervous about emulated games being brought over to the mobile phones because – You know, we grew up playing with them, like I said earlier, we grew up playing with them on our controllers and things like that. Right. The games that are made specifically for mobile, I don't have that big of an issue with. Right. It's these classic games that should be released for the Nintendo Switch, in my opinion, that are being released for mobile, that are going to be geared towards these younger gamers, that I think is going to distract them from how important consoles are. Ooh, I sound
0: like an old man. Uh, but it's I think it's an interesting point, and I think a lot of the people who are the money people behind it are seeing, well, like this is where the money is. You know, you're making a little bit more money from this than you would be, and it's it's less of a time investment. I'm not saying these people don't put time into their games. They absolutely do. But if you have somebody like DeWolf who was already a multi-multi-millionaire before he decided to do Jam City and mobile games. This guy clearly understands business. He clearly understands where he's going to put his money to make more money out of it. And there's a reason why he chose what he chose.
1: Yeah, good for him. I mean, you found an avenue to make a lot of money in. You found an avenue that really hadn't been touched on. So good for you, but just, it just makes me nervous. And my only argument is that I'm afraid that... The increase of mobile gaming would lead to a decrease of console gaming. And that ter- it's, it's, I don't want to see that because there's that is where the bread and butter of video games are. is the console generation.
0: To me, a very easy parallel to draw is with theaters for movies as opposed to home theaters. And because home theaters have gotten so great and because there's so many streaming services now, is it taking a chunk out of the theater experience? The theater experience is a unique experience. I still love going to theater. I don't think it's going away but at the same time I'm part of that generation that grew up with it it's very hard to project what this younger generation is going to be into because they're growing up in a much different world than you grew up in the same way as our parents grew up in a much different world than we grew up in I mean people do this people try and project trends that are going to happen in the future and obviously I'm not an expert on any of this but I like to think that the people who are developing these games must see that there is more of a development that you can do on these console games that at least currently or in the near future are unable to do on a mobile game and i think if you're a storyteller which a lot of these people are they want to stick with the place where they can tell their story in the best way possible and that is console gaming
1: i really love your outlook on the world i really 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 love your outlook on the world it's a very people are doing this because they love to do it
0: yeah well i'm in sunny southern california you're in stormy northern california so
1: i you know i'm in the bay area where things are real and (laughs) yes my my impression is just, I, I love what you said, and I agree with what you everything you said. As soon as these mobile games start making money, I just see these people just abandoning it right away. Especially these, like, you know, the creators and the developers and the people that actually work behind these games, they can say whatever they want, but it's really these big companies that are going to be making these decisions. And and I, I really feel like if these mobile games start jumping off like they have been and they keep bringing in the billion-dollar industries... All the focus, all the energy is going to go to mobile gaming, and you're not getting the same rich experience that you're getting when you're playing on a console on your television where you're getting the story. You're getting to meet these multiple characters. It's just a way different experience.
0: And look, this is a conversation where neither of us really have the answers yet. We're prognosticating. I am trying to be an optimistic about it. Uh, I don't think you're trying to be a cynic about it. I think you make a lot of really good points, and it's easy to be cynical about this type of situation. It is hard to argue that people will chase money because that's... Obviously Listen, I'm black do.
1: in America. I know how important money plays. I know that a big part of the civil rights movement, a big part of why blacks were able to get a lot of rights back in the 60s was because we started boycotting things. So in my opinion, I think money motivates, especially these people that are making the moves in America. And again, I've said this point over and over again, if billions of billions of dollars are being generated through the mobile cultivation of these games, then I believe they're just going to abandon the consoles, especially if the consoles take a lot of money. Because these console games take a lot of money to build. Absolutely. I mean, Destiny is a billion dollar project. So if you're able to put out, if Bungie is able to put out something at way less the cost and make 10 times as much as they can make on a Destiny... They're
0: going to do it. Let me me spin it back this way as the Hollywood reporter. I am always looking at it through the lens of film or from a Hollywood perspective. Mm -hmm. Hollywood has a lot of big budget filmmakers who just want to make cash grabs. I think even if they won't admit it themselves, a lot of these people do. Do you think Michael Bay thinks of himself as an auteur? I mean, maybe, but if he does, he's a little bit delusional because you've cranked out six of these garbage Transformer movies. Five
1: garbage Transformers, one decent Sorry,
0: one felt like six, so (laughs) I bumped it up a little bit. (laughs) So here's what's interesting. We have these young auteurs who are doing things and they care about what they're making and they have opportunities to go up to higher things, but they care so much about their vision that they have falling outs with whatever these big companies are. I still think that exists in games too, but I think there's always a place for artists and I think artists will always flock to the best way to tell their story. And I think... Like I said earlier, that is console gaming. And there are still people who care about telling the story the best way they can.
1: Yeah. Okay, that's a very good point.
0: Again, that's this is all optimism point. and me just being like, I
1: hope, I hope. Yeah, and I and I get it. I get what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying. But as a pessimist of the group, as a pessimist of the podcast, Name it be very skeptical, especially since there's so much money being made in these mobile games.
0: Yeah, and I, I can't argue with that. I mean, there clearly is, and there's clearly a lot of people who are flocking to it. But yeah, we'll see what happens, if it's a cataclysmic shift, or if we continue to play awesome console games into the far future. <phone rings> Let's get into some reviews, since we didn't get to do reviews last week. And this week, we have a great one, a game that I have not played yet, but I really want to play, so I hope you give it a good review. Let's talk about ARMS from Nintendo. Let's talk about ARMS, shall we? Let's do it, why not? ARMS? is a good
1: game. Arms is a so let me set it up a little bit. You have a total of like 10 characters that you can choose from, it's similar to like a Overwatch type game. So you get these characters and then you have to equip different types of arms that you use. And these arms you have like you can use a boxing glove, you can use a gun, you can use a umbrella you can use a little bird house that shoots out a bird so they have a very various amount of arms so you have one for your left arm and one for your right arm and then um, they correspond with a and b so that's how you do your punches the game is very strategic you are so think of this as like a one-on-one boxing match type i kind of compare it to fight night in a way okay a very cartoony like fight night so most of the matches are set up one v one you, um, you have an opportunity to choose your arms, the opponent has an opportunity to choose their arms, and then you're going at it. I like, I, I, I'm pretty good at this game, I'm not going to lie. Ooh. Um, so I Esports. like to take the counter approach, the counter punch approach, whereas I'm always waiting for someone to punch me. I'm hitting that dash to the right, and then I'm sending out a punch. You can send one punch at a time, you can send two punches at a time, or you can grab them. I've been playing, most of my experience has been on the Pro Controller, Mm -hmm. and I've been having a lot of fun. I've been having a lot of fun with this game. There's a lot of strategy that takes it. You can't just go in and keep pressing buttons over and over and over again hoping that you can get in. Because it does take a a short amount of time for your arm to extend and for your arm to retract. So you have to be very smart on how you're placing these punches. You can miss your punches... Like I, I'm off. I'm often soaring to the far to the right, so you have to make sure that you're aiming your punches directly at the person. I and thought you, you said you were good smart. at this. You have to find for the opening.
0: Do you get to use the motion controls at all? Because that seems look. It I reminds can't. it reminds me of Wii Boxing a little bit when that first came out.
1: It, and it does feel like Wii Boxing a little bit. I I think I put maybe an hour into the motion controls. I'm not too look. Nintendo put out one of the best controllers that they've ever put out with this Nintendo Switch Pro controller. So it's very hard for me to play any type of game on the nintendo switch without using this controller since it's so good Mm -hmm. the motion controllers i think if i got enough time to really get put some time into them and learn it i think they would be the best way to play this game i'm not going to sit here and lie i really do believe that the motion controllers would be the best way to play this game i just don't want to do it i want to play with this controller
0: it's just too good you can't put it down
1: yeah it's and you know the game is not without its negatives it's a fun fun game some of the most fun i've had this year. But the game is lacking a lot of stuff. There's not a lot of game modes. Okay. I think there's only you have the one v one fight, you have the three all out brawl, you have basketball, you have volleyball, you have skill shot. So they try to mix it up a little bit, but there's not a lot of skins that you can use. Like I want some type of reward system where I could put in and get these skins where I could dress up my different characters that I'm playing. There's none of that. There's not a good amount of arms. I mean there's a there's a good list to choose from, but all of the arms are similar for all the characters. I thought we would get more unique arms per
0: character. Particularly given I... the name of the game being arms? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, so you still get a good amount of arms to choose from, but I would like to see specific arms that are related to each character. And each character has a different different abilities. For example, the one that I play with, Ninjaro, he dis- he has this jump disappearing act where you can't be hit. Um, there's other characters that have different, various, you know, good things about them that they can bring to the match. But for the most part, the game's very bare. It needed a lot more legs on it.
0: We need more legs and arms.
1: We need more legs on an arms game. But overall, really good game, really fun. I'm enjoying my time with it. It kind of sucked up my whole week. It's a good game that you can play when you get off work. It's a good game you can play before you go to bed. I, it, I'm enjoying it. I just wish there was more to it. Yeah. Well, I, I would hesitate to tell anyone to go buy it. Wait for a little bit to see if there's going to be any DLC. If not, go pick it up. It's a good game to have on your Switch, and there's not a lot of games on the Switch right now. so.
0: How many snaps in a circle would you give it?
1: Probably one.
0: One snap and one circle? I'd, or? I'd, I'd give it a snap
1: on a straight line.
0: Oh, man. It, it's it's a good... There's a
1: lot of good ideas there. It's Nintendo being Nintendo. I'm glad to see such a refreshing, fresh approach to a fighting genre. Right. There's just not enough game in there, man. Yeah, but it's a good game. Pick it up if you have a Switch because there's not a lot of good games on Switch. Come challenge me. My Nintendo ID name is Edmund. Come see, come see if you can step with the boy.
0: How did you get Edmund? You're the only Edmund...
1: I don't know how that Nintendo thing works, man. Are you
0: the only Edmund on Nintendo?
1: I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure.
0: That's insane. All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. Um, Thank you very much for listening, everyone, and for continuing to listen. Uh, We are on iTunes. Uh, Check us out over there. Download, comment, rate. Uh, We're also on SoundCloud, which is where you might be listening to this. Um, Do the same there. Uh, Eddie and I are on Twitter. Follow us there. Do all that stupid internet stuff that everybody is keen on. All the kids.
1: Yeah, and I hate to be a begging person, but if you do listen to us on iTunes, please leave a review. We are we want to engage with the audience a lot more, so if you do comment, if you do anything like that, we would really appreciate it.
0: And let me reiterate the contest from last week, which nobody participated in. I will give away a PS4 controller exclusive from E3 to the comment that I deem the best comment. Good luck to everyone.
1: I did not create an account. To steal that PlayStation 4 controller. So you all listening, you have another week.
0: Eddie will do that. He's not joking.
1: I will. I will. I don't. I have no shame, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I have no shame. So, yeah, big week this week. Uh, there's some indie games that were released. I believe Next Machina was released for the PlayStation 4. I've heard that it was one of the better dual twin shooter games to come out. I am going to probably pick that up and play it this weekend. Mm-hmm. Also, the Steam sale is live. Watch your wallets, ladies and gentlemen. Watch your wallets.
0: Happy summer.
1: Happy summer. So if you have Steam, you're on your PlayStation 4, go pick up Next Machina. I believe that's on Steam as well.
0: Uh, A couple exciting announcements for the next coming weeks. We have some cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Uh, We have hopefully some stuff with God of War 4, the creators of that game. Uh, Some Final Fantasy XII Zodiac Age news from the developers of that game. Whoa. Yeah, I know. And it gets even more exciting. We have some Marvel news, and we also possibly have a hopeful partnership going forward with some eSports stuff. We touched on it earlier, and hopefully we'll get a little bit more insider information from eSports. I'm also going to follow up on the Australia nonsense.
1: That would be fun, yeah. And this esports partnership sounds exciting. Looks like I'm gonna have to actually start watching esports.
0: Do your so homework, Eddie. I'm
1: gonna start be doing. I'm gonna start doing my homework. I might become an esports announcer, my friend.
0: Ooh, that's what I want. That's what I want to see yeah. from you. All and right. yes,
1: just a special thank you to everyone who's listening. Who's we have a couple people that have listened to multiple podcasts. We really appreciate you. Please leave us comments, questions, anything. We really want to engage with the audience, even if you want to yell at me. For making an idiotic statement, I will engage with you in the next episode, I Particularly
0: promise. Particularly if you want to interact with Eddie. I promise you, we will address your comments.
1: Thank you, everybody. We love you.
0: We love you. Talking about video game.